Attention SLPs and OTs with existing private practices. Are you ready to level up your private practice and your life and make this your breakthrough year? If so, join us for Make More in 2024, a free training offered on Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern to discover how to shift from clinician to CEO. During the training, we'll talk about the importance of maximizing your income, adding revenue streams, setting up systems, and more so that you can ultimately work smarter and build a successful, sustainable, and sellable business. To sign up, just visit growyourprivatepractice.com backslash training. Don't miss the chance to learn how to effectively navigate the growth phase of the private practice journey. See you on the training. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. I cannot wait to introduce you to Hillary Frank. Hillary is an SLP in the Charlotte, North Carolina area who has been in private practice for two years. And she talks about one of the most important things that keeps SLPs stuck and from not starting or growing their private practices. Stay tuned. My name is Jenna Castro-Casbon. I am part of a group of private practitioners who have taken client care into our own hands. We are skilled clinicians who pride ourselves on providing high quality care to our clients and their families. We are fighting against productivity requirements, administrative red tape, and unnecessary restrictions. We started our own private practices to take control of our professional and personal lives, of our schedules, of our incomes, of our future. We work hard for our clients, but on our terms. We believe in helping others, but also helping ourselves. We are not interested in competing with each other because we hope we'll all make it. We are successful private practitioners, and these are our stories. All right, so before we dive into the interview, can you please share your name, your location, and also the name of your private practice? My name is Hillary Frank. I am the CEO and owner of Chatterbugs LLC, and I live in Charlotte, North Carolina, and my practice is in South Carolina. So we're kind of in the greater Charlotte area. Fabulous. I love how you started with owner and CEO, right? I want to talk about how you really started to own that title of CEO. But before we get to how that happened, Let's go back to the beginning of your career as a speech pathologist. Can you talk a little bit about either like early grad school or your CF, things that might have shaped you to where you are today? Yeah. Well, my background is as an educator and kind of got really shoved into the SLP world through working in a school system. And I started out in grad school, just totally overwhelmed and just excited, overwhelmed, freaked out, but loving every moment of it, loved so much of what I learned on a day-to-day basis, made such amazing connections, people who I still talk to today, who I, I cherish today. And so, yeah, grad school was an amazing experience and a uh, big part of where I am today. I love it. Okay. So grad school, you have this great experience in grad school. And then what was your CF like? So my CF was a 
Gosh, how do you say like, I just, I guess kind of carved me to be the SLP that I am today. Uh, my mom, if she, if she'd be listening, she would be like, oh my gosh, all the tears, all the, the blood, sweat and tears from your CF. But you know, we made it, we made it. And it was great because it was a home health position and I was in a more rural area. And there was a lot of challenging cases, a lot of challenging clients. My first time in home health, never done that before. And I had such an interest, but fear of feeding. And I had such a like just big cloud over my head when it came to AAC. And that's exactly what I got, of course. (laughs) So today, oh my gosh, I can visualize the kiddos that I, those are the children that I made the most impact with. And those are the kids who's, who stick with me even now who have made chatterbugs become this niche for feeding an AAC. So it's so and, awesome. <laughs> and that was what you were nervous about during your CF, right? Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. So how crazy is that, right? That you took something that was very worrisome, fearful, maybe even tearful, right? Oh yes. <laughs> you mentioned with your mom, right? Oh, yes. But like, and then turned it into, so it turned it into like an overwhelming experience into what now you're becoming known for. I think that that's mm-hmm. absolutely incredible. And it really was a choice, Jenna, because that could have been what broke me. That could have been like, guess what? I am going to steer clear of feeding. I'm going to steer clear of AAC. I'm not going to touch those with a 10 foot pole, but no, I, I felt like I was kind of, it was this like back and forth of like, trying to run from it, but realizing it was chasing me of like, you know what? No, I am. I apparently am going to be awesome at feeding <laughs> and there's just no, it, it just was part of me and it was a choice, but yet I really feel like that's so much of what we as entrepreneurs and as speech pathologists, when we make that choice to become a business owner, it really is something where we can like, let it make us or break us. And that's what my CF experience was. And those niches became a choice for me that I'm going to allow these things to just get, just, just expand and learn. And, and it was a challenge and I just loved it. That's fantastic. Okay. So you did your CF in home health. Mm -hmm. Did you have any other jobs or did you stay with the home health for a while or what happened kind of then? Yeah. So I stayed in home health, completed my C's and I ended up going to where I never thought I would, which was a school system, because as a teacher, I was like, I'm getting out of the school system. So I went to the school system. I thought it was safe. It was like a safe option. And I was wanting that consistency in that time of my life. And I learned a lot from that transition as well. But during that time of working in the school system, I also took on an evening position at a nearby private practice. And I realized, oh my gosh, I love this. I love the connections I'm making. I love being able to just really get into what's going on in a family situation and to really help them. And so I learned very quickly that this was a budding interest, like that this was going to be something that I needed more of. Had you thought about private practice at all before that? Not really, to be honest. I thought when I graduated from my grad school that I was going to go into a SNF and it was super hard to get a position in a SNF as a CF. I mean, you could get a position, but you would be poorly mentored and you would be overwhelmed and in a rural area somewhere. So it was really difficult to have that support that I really wanted. So I ended up going into home health peds 
and then just absolutely adoring it. And you know, it's funny, Jenna, because while I was doing my home health CF position, I decided to volunteer with a hospice, skilled nursing hospice center. And I love elderly people. It's just like one of my just loves. I just love them. But when I was comparing the experience of going into a hospice to to see or going into pair up with my my um, patient and leaving my kiddos from the from their homes and just coming from a joy filled silly session, it was just oh no, I I just can't. I mean, because I'm too much of a feeler, I'm too much of a take on everything that you have going on in some ways. And so I realized the adult setting was just not going to be for me, at least in that capacity. Yeah. Well, that's, that's true. So, okay. So you're going along, you did the home health thing, switched over to the school. Schools Mm -hmm. had its kind of own own pros and cons with that. Mm -hmm. You ended up doing this evening position in a private practice. And that's when it sort of really opened your eyes. Like, Hey, I kind of like this. So what happened next? So I was in this private practice and had a life event happen where I decided to make a switch out of the school. And I ended up just on this private practice journey. And I ended up working in another private practice. I worked in this one I was with with while I was in the school. And then I transitioned to another one. And I just learned so, so much. And I loved my job. That's awesome. <laughs> well, and it's really nice to... Well, it's, first of all, it's really nice to love your job, first of all, but I'm yes. sure there were things that you like getting that experience then in also two different private practices that helped you think like, okay, now I'm seeing how other people do it. And now I'm also starting to figure out how I might want to do it. Right. For sure. For sure. And everyone has what makes their practice unique, which is them. You know what I mean? Like you yourself makes your, make your practice unique. Okay. Don't judge me on the plurals or whatever, but you know, this it's the truth. Like I really believe that the individual who runs or who manages that practice, their beliefs, their passions, their priorities, their just the way they conduct themselves that just permeates throughout the practice. And so from my experience working in these two private practices, I was able to see, gosh, like I'm that type of speech pathologist who just gives it 125%. I go above and beyond. I love what I do. I'm constantly researching. I'm constantly connecting. I'm calling doctors. I'm talking to early interventionists. I'm calling parents even sometimes after hours, like, oh my gosh, look what I found. Look, this would be so awesome for your kiddo. I'm driving to technology centers for AAC. I mean, I'm doing all of this outside of my, I guess, nine to five or whatever hours you do in private practice. So I thought, wouldn't it be amazing if I could kind of expand this to do this for myself? And that's really how it ended up just cycling through. That's where it started. And about how long ago has that been? So my practice officially started in November of 2018. So it's been going on, is it two years? Yeah, going on two years. I can't believe it. It's one of the most rewarding, but one of the most stretching (laughs) experiences. Yeah. But I love it. Yeah. Well, people talk about how it's kind of like, I mean, it's certainly different than having a baby, right? But it's like the kind of thing that like you grow, right? And that you you grow it over time. So what did your private practice look like when it was an infant, right? Or, or like in its infancy, yeah. you're just getting started. 
What did it kind of look like? Oh my gosh. It looked like, I want to say like razzle dazzle, but maybe like frazzle dazzle. (laughs) So I, you know, just threw myself into this private practice, worked like Monday through Friday, maybe Monday through Thursday, some weeks, but just took on all these amazing, wonderful, loving families. And it was incredible. And I worked singly by myself for several months. And then I realized probably going into probably midway 19, 2019, I thought, you know, I can only keep this up for so long. There's so many clients, thankfully, that want to come here. There's referrals, there's new patients calling, and I can't see all of them. I mean, there's just no way. So that's when I started thinking about, well, what if I were to hire someone? What if I, and that was that was a huge moment. That was a huge moment because I didn't think of myself as a CEO. I didn't think of myself as an owner or or a boss or anything like that. So it was really a big gear shift, but that's how it started. Well, and it sounds like you were really having like those growing pains, right? Where you were, you were having to maybe turn kids away or keep them on the wait list or, and you're in that you wanted to do feeding an AAC, right? So those were kids, Mm -hmm. those those are like pretty significant needs that when people have them, it's hard to find. Mm -hmm. And that was really hard for me to turn families away, but that is my belief system. Even today, I'm not going to hold up a family who needs care, who needs a provider, just because I want them at Chatterbugs. That's beyond what I would ever do. So basically, you know, when families ask us about a wait list or how long and all of that, I would so much rather you go to one of my amazing colleagues that I have in the area that I know of, and I love to refer out to them because it's about helping a child. And so that's when I realized, okay, I just can't do it all. There's no way. So what kind of person was your first hire? Was it another Oh my gosh. She's another, she's another SLP, wonderful human being. And I just can't speak highly enough on the people who have made their way to Chatterbugs. Like (laughs) I don't want to get emotional. How many people are there? So we have right now, we have three of us total, but at one point we had um, CFs included. We had probably about I think it was about five of us, four to five of us. But it's been, and this is another one of like my philosophies that I was saying earlier. I really believe that both clients and clients and clinicians, I really believe that they're going to be with us as long as they're meant to be with us. So I understand life happens for families and for clinicians. And I just value and cherish the time that I have with those individuals, whether it's my therapists or, or my families, I call them my families, my kiddos. And I realized that sometimes it, you need someone else in your journey. So all that to say, my first hire was incredible. She just had wonderful spirit. She cared about the families. I felt like just as much as I, if not more, and our families love them. And you know, it was amazing, Jenna, with amidst the hiring process, which really, really humbled me. My families would tell me, we want you. first of all. Okay. Let that be known. We want you, but we know your standards and we know how much you care and what you put into your business and chatterbugs. And so if you hired so-and-so, she's got to be awesome too. So we'll take her. Like we love her. We've got to love her, you know? And so that was, that was just like one of the biggest compliments I think I could have received from 
my families and, and early interventionists. Well, and you know what you, that's a really good point. Cause I hear people say that all the time who are thinking about growing. So not necessarily like beginner beginners, but when people start to get to the stage where they want to hire, there's some reluctance there with a lot of people yes. when they say, Oh, but my fan, like, but they want me. So how, how did you navigate that? Like, it sounds like you navigated it pretty well, but how did you sort of first maybe have a mindset shift in yourself that it didn't have to just be you? Like, how, how did you navigate that within yourself and then within the families? Well, it was a lot of breaths. It was a lot of prayers. It was a lot of like woosahs. And because Jenna, you know, when it's your baby, like, you know, I don't have kids yet, but when it's your baby and Chatterbugs is my baby, and all these kiddos are my babies. It was really, 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 really hard to think about my first hire. Exciting, but also really challenging because of that reason. And so, but one of the one of the things that I've really taken away from my inner workings of Chatterbugs is that we as owners, we have to be able to say no. Like that's one of the things. So when you're saying like when the families were, you know, but we only want you or, but you, we really just need you. I had to say no. And I said it in the most loving way. Like, look, I have these responsibilities now and it's to train and it's to manage and it's to keep Chatterbugs flourishing. And the only way I can do that is to basically pour into these awesome therapists and they are awesome. And I had to really boost them. And that's one of the things I really believe in as, as the owner and as the CEO is that I really go to bat for my therapist. Like my therapists know that if there's a concern, if there's something that's bothering them, which is rare, but like, if there is, they know that I'm going to really listen and that I'm going to try to figure something out because they're just as important as our families, if not even a little bit more, because they are the only way that we can help so many people. I decided to invest in the Start Your Private Practice program because I honestly had no idea where to start. <laughs> and I just didn't really have the confidence or the know-how to be able to do that. So it was really nice to have a system that was all set up for me. I didn't have to reinvent the wheel or start from scratch. It was all there for me. And I was able to land a client within about the first week and a half of me going public with my private practice. So now I have 12 clients. It is such an invigorating and amazing experience. If you want help to start your speech therapy private practice, then head on over to startyourprivatepractice.com backslash waitlist so that you will be notified as soon as we reopen the doors to the Start Your Private Practice system. Again, that's startyourprivatepractice.com backslash waitlist. I cannot wait to help you start your private practice. I think that you're, what you're talking about too, is this wonderful, like abundance mindset, right? That you are, you have these clinicians who you're supporting and through your support of them, then they support the families, right? And it all just kind of keeps flowing back. And I think that that's absolutely wonderful. And so, okay, so now you're going along about like two years into it. You had a little bit larger staff, but now you're at three, which is, which is also fantastic. Where are, do most of your referrals come from these days? So our referrals come from a mixture of doctor's offices, early interventionists, and parents just calling, cold calling us. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Mm-hmm. Fabulous. My next question is, so what does, like, what does your practice look like today? 
right? So as, as of this recording, it's September, mid-September 2020. We're still like in coronavirus right now. Mm-hmm. So what is it, what does your practice look like right now? So one thing that's made our practice really unique amidst COVID has been the fact that we are telehealth only. Mm-hmm. We've been telehealth only since March 18th or something somewhere around there. So it's been a long time. We are so thankful, and we say this all the time at, at Chatterbugs, is that we're so thankful to be able to have that move, that lateral move to be able to provide services and that we don't have to go into an office and we don't have to put ourselves at risk. So I had a conversation, plenty of conversations with our speech pathologist when COVID happened. And I really have just, just listened and just tried to absorb how comfortable are they with providing in-person services. And what I learned was just like myself, they were not comfortable with that risk. And so whether they had themselves or a husband or someone to go home to or children, whatever, they weren't comfortable with it. So what we did was we maintained telehealth with my communications with the families all throughout. And our families, some of them have left because they wanted in person and maybe OT or PT or ABA was being offered in person. And we were the only ones not, but I'm really proud Jenna amidst this crazy unexpected time that, like I said, I'm able to support our therapists and say, if that's something you're not comfortable with, I respect that. And we will make as much as we can out of telehealth and ride it to the wheels fall off for children that it, that it's appropriate for. And when we do start back in person, which will be, I'm sure within the next few months that it will be in a very safe way. You sound like a very wonderful boss. Was there any experiences early on that shaped you into this kind of a a feeling for how you care so much for your team? I don't know. I think that, I don't, I'm not sure. That's a hard question to answer. I think that I have been able to absorb information and teachings, I guess, from people who have been mentors along the way. I think I really I'm an observer in some ways. Like I love to have a good talk, like a good SLP would, but I also love to like really listen. And I'm just like a sponge a lot of times. And so I've loved to have conversations with other speeches, with other practitioners that are telling me what works and what doesn't work. And that's why I believe in the giving back. I also had amazing parents who taught me so much. I've also have a spouse who is a manager in his job and he's able to teach me because I'm a speechy at a speechy and educator by background, not business. And so I've been able to learn some from him as well, how to really respect and honor the person you have in front of you and how to really listen to them and get to know them on a personal level. Because Jenna, as we talk about a lot, you hear in like mom groups and things that individuals are not only moms, not just moms, but only moms because they are individuals. And I look at it the same as a, as an SLP. And I felt this as from other companies where I felt like just a number, where I felt like just an SLP and I'm not, I'm also other things. And so I think that really has struck a chord with me. And I've been able to rem- remember that through my journey as a, as a business owner. Well, and I like how you said that too, just that you're taking on different roles and different labels, right? I, at the very beginning of the interview, 
I just loved how you said that you were the owner and CEO, right? <laughs> and so how, how does that feel to become a CEO? It's pretty amazing. It's scary. It's kind of like, is this real? But I have learned to just really step into those shoes. It's it's a lot of responsibility because not just just being a great listener, being a great boss or being consistent, you know, showing up for people. It's like these individuals are relying on me and are relying on this income and this position. And so it's very heavy. Like, so when therapists think, I'm not going to dissuade anyone from not becoming a private practice owner or CEO, but I will also say that it really does come with a lot of, especially when you have individuals with you, practitioners with you, it's, it's definitely very heavy and it's a lot of responsibility. That's something that I've been able to take on, but it's also something that I felt very, very, very much, especially through COVID. Well, I totally understand that, right? Like once you become responsible for the financial well-being of others, right? Like I have people on my team too. And and it is, it's like, yeah. oh wow, like you gotta keep, you gotta keep making more money so that you can support all these people, right? So it's pretty cool though, because it's like a cycle, right? So you you hire more people, more SLPs for your staff so that you can serve more clients, right? Exactly. So the more the more SLPs that you have to help meet the demand of how many clients there are then that's how like your business grows, right? So exactly. we're in this weird period again with, with COVID and you said that you you think that you'll probably be on doing telepractice for, you know, a couple more months or however, however long it takes probably. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What, what are your plans for the future? Like, what are you hoping to have your private practice either like morph into or stay the same or like really what, what are your plans for the future? So I just have a big heart for the community and for plugging families into resources and giving their children opportunities and creating self-confidence in the child as well as the parents. And so I really would love to be able to do some more programs in the future. I would love to be able to expand our office. Right now we're renting and we're sharing space. So I would love to be able to expand and just to be able to offer more speech therapy and possibly even other services like OT or PT in the future. That's definitely something that's on my heart. And I would really love to be able to do that. And I think that's in our future. I love it. I love it. So is there anything else before we wrap up that you want to tell beginners, you know, people first getting started? in private practice, either a lesson learned or a tip or something like that? So I believe for myself, one of the biggest mottos that has kind of traveled with me has been to ditch perfection because as SLPs, we are just perfectionists. We tend to be, we want to know everything. We want to, not in a bad way, we just want to know everything to help. And we want to know about voice. We want to know about fluency and we want to know about stuttering and we want, or, you know, all these things and and dysphagia and all of these niches. It's impossible is what it is. And so I think that carves out for us that if we decide to travel the road of private practice owner, that it's going to be more of that. You have to ditch the perfection because you're going to make mistakes. You're going to learn you're going to hire someone for the the wrong reason in that moment, or you're going to take on too many clients, or you're going to say 
yes when you should have said no. And there's just going to be so many things that that you're going to learn from. And if you get locked into that like analysis paralysis, then you'll never make that next step. And so I think my journey from CF to CF home health to school-based SLP to private practice SLP to private practice CEO owner SLP has has brought me through and shown me that I don't have to be perfect, but I just have to have a heart and have to show individuals and clients and clinicians that I care. And that's going to, that's going to mean more than perfection. Well, and clearly it does. I mean, I think that, you know, your, your warmth and friendliness and dedication to your clients and your employees has clearly shown through in this interview. Thank you. And, and I think you're right. A lot of SLPs do tend to get stuck in analysis paralysis mm-hmm. and perfectionism. And I think it was Brene Brown who said this, but it, it might've been someone else. But anyway, that basically perfectionism is a type of procrastination mm. and that people who really procrastinate a lot, it's like they're, they're putting off like either fear of judgment or yeah. all of these other things. And when, when people do that, then they're also not serving other people, right? It's a way to kind of right. back and not get out there in front of these clients, right? But what, like, what if you had held back? Well, you wouldn't have this amazing business that's grown so much in the last two years, right? So I think I love your ditch perfectionism. And I'm so happy you said that. And listeners, take that to heart because Hillary has learned that over time and it's really helped make you be unstoppable. I yeah, I I I think that's I think that's just been the biggest takeaway and and the other thing would be just to be open to sharing, you know that like abundance mentality, just be open to sharing, be open to talk conversations, be opening to being the one who knows the least in the room, like be open to that because you can learn so much, you can absorb so much, you can be challenged so much if you just ask questions if you learn, if you, I don't know, it's the, the, one of the main reasons why I'm where I am today too, has been not just from people who believed in me, but, but just incredible people who are willing to open up, who are willing to have conversations, who are willing to say, you know what, there's plenty of clients. I don't need to worry that you're going to take them or steal them or, or whatever. And so that's why I'm here too, because there were so many individuals that were just willing to connect and, and then also awesome SLPs like yourself, who I've been able to learn from by starting out with all of your forms and your groups. And that was another huge blessing for me too. So thank you, Jenna. Yeah, you're so welcome. <laughs> you know, it is all about abundance, right? And so I think that, you know, there are more than enough clients to go around. There are some areas of the country that have more speech therapy, private practices than others. And even a lot of those areas do have these wonderful networks of clinicians who share clients with each other and whatever. I mean, if you really love doing the feeding and the AAC, realize that there's other therapists in your area who like, don't like that stuff. Like remember back when you were doing home health and it was terrifying to you, right? There are other people in your area who are terrified of feeding an AAC or maybe not terrified, but maybe it's not their favorite thing, right? It's not their thing. Yeah. And so that's great. And so that's then they send okay. those people to you and you send the voice right. clients or ours or whatever to other people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it works out great. It does. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Hillary, for, for sharing your story, your journey, and your advice. 
And again, I think that the ditch perfectionism thing is so important. And so if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you've been thinking about doing this, take this as a sign from Hillary and Jenna to maybe if you're waiting for a sign, this is it, right? Yes. Yes, totally. Uh, Thank you. Thank you so much. This has been such a joy. Thank you for being so easy to talk to and just letting me share my story and my love for what I do. Fabulous. And if people want to follow up with you, do you have a website or Instagram or anything like that? Yes, we do. So we are chatterbugs with an S at the end, LLC on Instagram and the same on Facebook, facebook.com slash chatterbugs LLC. And then our website is www.chatterbugsllc.com. Fabulous. All right. Well, contact Hillary and tell her that you listened to the episode and what your biggest takeaway was. But thank you so much for sharing your story, Hillary. You're welcome. Anytime. So how fantastic is Hillary? I think that she had some tremendous advice about how to move past perfectionism, ditch perfectionism, and start your private practice. In the last two years, she has made amazing strides. And if you want to start your private practice, then you can also do this. If you want to learn more, if you want to get support, Hillary has been a part of my programs and she's been able to do great things. If you want support to start your private practice, the best way to start is to watch my free webinar, which is available at startyourprivatepractice.com backslash webinar. It will teach you more in 60 minutes about private practice than you ever learned in graduate school. So again, head over to startyourprivatepractice.com backslash webinar, and I'll see you there. Now that you've listened to the episode, I want to invite you to a free training. Do you have a business background? Most SLPs who go into private practice don't. You went to grad school, not business school. But here you are trying to start or grow a private practice. The good news is business skills can be learned And I want to help you make solid decisions on how to start and grow your private practice so you can serve your community and build a legacy while doing therapy on your own terms and your own time. And yes, make more money. I want to invite you to my free training specifically to help SLPs get the background information you need to know in order to be successful. There are two tracks the start track and the grow track because the needs of beginners and growth level private practitioners are very different. The trainings are short but thorough and can be consumed and put into action quickly. I want to teach you how to think, act, and behave like the private practitioner you are meant to be so that you can step into the vision you have for your private practice and your life. And the best part, these trainings are completely free. To register right now, simply visit independentclinician.com. Click start or grow, and we can get started right now. Well, this episode might be over, but we don't have to say goodbye. Head on over to independentclinician.com for resources that will help you at each stage of your private practice journey. If you're on Instagram, let's connect. Follow me and send me a DM. I'm at independent clinician. And if you're on Facebook, make sure that you join the SLP and OT Private Practice Beginners Facebook group. 
All right, off to help more regular SLPs and OTs become successful private practitioners. Let me know if I can help you too.